Before the next episode of XJob Downloaded starts, I have a big favour to ask. If you've enjoyed any of our episodes so far, please can you click on the follow button on your platform. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and YouTube. It costs nothing to follow, but makes a real difference to me as a podcast producer. Thank you. This interview is being tape recorded. My name is Paul Maleri and this is XJob Downloaded. And today I am interviewing Scott McCallum. Now, Scott is a former inspector with the Canadian Police Service, former reserve with the military police, and now runs or is part of a team that supplies surplus equipment to the Ukrainian Police Service and military forces. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm good. It's really cool. I love talking to people from all over the world. We've got 90 countries that listen to this. So, and and when I started this little dream, I didn't expect to reach the corners of the world that I have. So I'm very grateful and more to the point to have contributors from across the world. It's absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much for your time. I know there's a time difference, but there doesn't seem to be any lag in this internet. (laughs) <laughs> that's great thanks for having me thank you no worries. so where did it all begin for you and how did you get into the police service wow <laughs> um the whole family i guess i take it back to to um the family history lineage uh you know uh, the family served either in law enforcement or, or military or, or both and uh take it right back to having a a great, 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 great someone who was a sheriff in in, in Scotland, um, you know, when there were castles and all that sort of cool thing going on. And and I don't know, we've always been about service. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids or youth, you know, they have, um, you know, maybe movie heroes as their movie stars as their heroes or sports figures as their heroes and I, and I had my share too but you know my grandfather um probably my my hero and, and my grandfather was an rsm and and you know this listening to the stories of his father you know my great-grandfather who served in the boer war and world war one and then uh grandpa my grandfather you know joining uh the reserves as a uh, a boy uh, back in the day in, in 1929 and then um all the way up and then when war broke out in 39 um uh you know going going to the regular military and my, my grandfather has a unique uh unique story behind him and it's a fascinating article and i'll certainly send it to you so you know how we all have regimental numbers and and that well my grandfather's regimental number was a1 that was his wow. service number a1 and um and I won't bore you with all the history or or how how it came about, but it, it, it's it's a fascinating story. And and um, well, you can imagine being an, an RSM, um, you know, it, a lot of things uh, <laughs> carried on after his military service to to my dad and and that. But of course, spending lots of time with with uh, my grandparents, it this it, it it really resonated with me, and it was just it was a real pleasure as a little boy. Um, and a young adult, and I lost him at a, a fairly young age. I think it was 13 or 14 when he passed, and 
he would have been in his early 60s then and 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 i just have such fond memories and you know everything you know being an rsm was was you know this this done perfectly and and yeah it's always stayed with me and and i thought well when i got older um you know there's something about service something pretty pretty noble about giving back and i mean no one joins i, I think any sort of emergency service or, or the military to to get rich you know not rich in the monetary sense but rich with you know experiences and and the people and the and the training and the camaraderie like yeah i just i think back i don't i think i've really been blessed because i i can't think of one bad experience and and i'm not talking about when you had to do guard duty or kitchen duty or or, or things like that but I have never really meant bad people. Um, and I've been fortunate to receive great training and, and, you know, network, which is, which is beautiful. You know, this, this people around the world and, and that is, is, is really been blessed as, as far as that goes. So your, your grandfather, was he in the Canadian military? Yes. So my, my, um, great grandfather was in the British military. Um, what? Argyle Highlanders, Argyle Southern, Southern Highlanders, pardon me. Yeah. And then, uh, so he did his service there. And then when they they came over to Canada, uh, he he joined the military um, just before the outbreak of World War One. Um, and he was a sergeant. Um, of course, being an ex ex cavalry man, he was with the first Desires, and he taught. And funny little story. So there was a young um, lieutenant that my great grandfather taught. That ended up becoming the commanding officer, and my grandfather was his RSM. Well, I never in World War II. Yeah, so it's kind of neat, you know, when you you do, you do the tree, so to speak, and this person to that person, and yeah. Of you, the 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 Queen's Piper was from the Argyle and Southern Highlanders, and um, I interviewed him a year ago now. Absolutely brilliant, and um, yeah, exceptional people. The, the Scottish regiments. I, I like all the regiments, but I always find the the Scottish regiments have got a real something about them. Yeah, it's just it's there is the history. It's just it's yeah. incredible. It really is the you know everything from the colours that they they carry uh, to the clothing they wear to you know this this the cap badge they wear. It's 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 spectacular. Well, they, the um, I sent you the, the the podcast of Don Don Shepherd, who's 104 now, and he landed with the Canadians at Juno, but he landed with a Scottish regiment. Okay. So, so I got if you when you get the opportunity, if you listen to it, the piper that plays at the beginning of the podcast was the Queen's piper, Scott Metham. So it all, again, it all knits in together because yeah. you know that's how this sort of thing works. You know, the networking is. That's huge. That's a huge part of, of policing. What year did you join the police service? So that would have been uh, 1989. Okay. And in London? London? On uh, no, there's a little town just outside of London, about half hour to the south called St. Thomas. Um, St. Thomas, Ontario. And um, what what's unique about St. Thomas is uh, St. Thomas is known as the, the railway capital of Canada. Oh. So there were um trains coming to and from that area you know to to the u.s um so many i i mean it was like the u the u.s at one time had a, con, a a consulate there because that's how many um 
Americans were up there and how important train traffic was uh, to get uh, uh, from you know Detroit over to, to Buffalo and, and the trains coming and going this this um, you know the goods in that so I, I got my start start there um, very blessed very fortunate and again a lot of great great friends and a lot of opportunity and um, it was a tough town it was a factory town because the automotive plants the big Ford plant right. um, was there and then a lot of the um, uh, offshoots uh, in the automotive industry was there. So very, you know, tough town, a railway town too, a lot of factory workers. So you can imagine, you know, when I when I started, they were still paying in cash yeah. where you go to the, the the payroll clerk. And so, you know, and, and uh, there was a notable adult uh, uh, entertainment uh, <laughs> industry in, in, in town there with uh that where we're you know frequent with uh quite a few factory workers that you knew you were going for a fight that, that's for sure when they they got going but you know great great community great people um worked with a lot of a lot of great friends and as i said lots of lots of opportunity really really cut my teeth and uh into policing you know totally different from the military police but uh some similarities but uh, that's where it all began yeah so had you already joined the reserves at that point i had um so i had a few years under my belt in the reserves um in the reserves in in, in canada um you know they've really come full scale uh, from from where they were um to where you know when i joined to you know where they are where they are now i mean they used to refer to as the you know probably the best comparison is maybe your territorial army like they used to call it the militia and then you know you know militias that word can be taken in so many unfortunate uh, directions you know positive or, or negativity um so then they they you know went classified at the primary reserve and that and yeah that's where where i got my start and, and again it was uh you know, a different kind of policing, right? Because you learned about prisoner of war control, straggler control, route recce's, route reconnaissance, you know, signing, you know, to get uh, the units from A to B. And um, this is a, a different type of policing. Um, yeah. yeah, sure, there, there's, um, there were some opportunities to do some, um, you know, I'm going to compare like to civilian policing stuff with the regular, you know, MPs where you're, you know, on base patrolling the, the quarters and, you know, and you saw people for drinking and driving or drunk and disorderly or the, the fights in the mess. But that wasn't, you know, that wasn't necessarily our, our role as reserve MP. It was totally, totally field, which was which was kind of great, you know, because you're doing full time policing, you know, where you're doing all, all that sort of stuff. And now you're doing a different type of policing, which was kind of great. So I always tell people it was the best of both worlds. Like I was truly blessed and, again, was able to, you know, manage both careers as you know, you got promoted or different assignments in the civilian policing tasks that took a lot of your time, as well as, you know, having to maintain your military qualifications and take courses. And as you got promoted, more responsibility, um, you kind of felt like a juggler some days. And uh, and I was blessed, um, you know, to, to be able to do both. I, I really was the best of both worlds. What was your commitment to your reserve duty? How often did you have to uh, take part? 
duties? So it, it was a, a parade night minimum once a week, and then one week in a month, and then certainly there was there was more more opportunity. So and then as as you went uh, kind of the food chain, so to speak, was you know two nights a week because there was always a training night and an administrative night, and then your one weekend, and then you had opportunity to to go you know as a part time or full time you know on class B or class C duty whatever. Um, you know, the mission was, so to speak, usually class B, which put you, you know, your reservist working full time, you know, for maybe summer concentration for two or three weeks doing a big field exercises, or if you're on a, a trades qualification course, uh, things, things like that. So, and it was nice to be able to go between both, um, you know, work a little, uh, some full time uh, with the military as a reservist, but, uh, you know, my full time profession's always been law enforcement and it's always nice you know we can always seem to you know manage it and where something um you know didn't have to give so to speak so um again like i said earlier this this one of these people it seems where this been very blessed with assignments and training and, and things were able to to really work out i mean i know you know some friends weren't as fortunate and they had to you know give up the military um, because the demands of their civilian career and, 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 you know, that work-life balance and, and that, and others, you know, were able to, to thrive, you know, uh, with, with both, both occupations. Did the police service give you time to be a reservist or did you have to do that? Great question. Yeah. And that's kind of come full forward here in Canada now where uh, uh, civilian employers have, have to uh you know let reservists go in in emergency time of need even you know whether it's a national um type disaster like floods or, or the forest fires um yeah st thomas was very good um and again you know there was a little give and take and you know i didn't mind you know there are times you wouldn't necessarily put your court slip in for for pay but you you put it in the time bank right and you were able to you know give and take uh you use that time and 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 certainly the service would uh would would help you with that time so again i don't think you know i can't recall any time i was ever denied where i needed a qualification course or there was a range weekend or some sort of training where it was like i had to go to you know the sergeant or the staff sergeant at the time or inspector and say you know i've been denied the time you know i don't i don't ever recall that so again i just put in the blessing uh <laughs> side of the house and and i know you know other people on different police services again haven't been as fortunate um for what for whatever reason because you know uh, they're paying you to be a police officer and the needs of the organization kind of come for come first and you know if you're dealing with maybe supervisors that don't understand the military for whatever reason you know they don't get it but you know i i i did not experience that and i think at the time you know there was a lot of senior officers who had served reg force before joining the police department. Because when I joined, a lot of these, uh, you know, officers had joined in the mid to late 50s. So they were coming to the end of their career. And then, um, so they had maybe did their their service. And so they, they, they kind of understood it. And so uh, just very fortunate, very lucky. Do you feel that the balance between the two helped you understand both roles? Hundred percent. I'm very fortunate as I advanced in my law enforcement career and, and military career, I was able to take things from either side and use them to my advantage. And 
again, I, I think with anything, the big thing comes comes down to communication, right? And you're always communicating. How do you, you know, how do how do you communicate? And you know, as we go higher up, uh, I'll call it the food chain. Um, you know, it's about that servant leadership part where, you know, how can I make it better for you, which is ultimately going to be better for the organization, what's going to be better for me. And, you know, it, it works in, in, in both worlds. And, you know, again, was very able to take stuff from the military side of the house, apply it to the civilian police scene and vice versa. Um, so, again, just um, blessed, really. But did you ever get deployed overseas? Uh, no, always um, just in inbound in, in Canada for everything. Um, there was a, uh, and it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, and and being on the tarmac one time and and stood down. Um, it was just, <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't in the cards for whatever for whatever reason at at the time. Um, uh, both my son and daughter were, were young at the time when Afghanistan uh, happened, but I had lost my wife. So, you know, being a, a single parent and not having the necessary means for, you know, family to look after them. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, thrown back, um, you know, children lost one parent. They don't need the risk of of another one but i and, and not to get philosophical or into you know family family stuff that was kind of uh, you know at the time uh, certainly um you know when it was very hard for the reserves in when the cold war was still going on to to go overseas because reservists just didn't go go overseas yeah. then we had the opportunity when they were closing the bases down in germany um they sent they put out a call for reserve mps and so how the reserve MPs worked. There was 21, 22, 23, 25 uh, reserve MPs. And so they ended up going with 23, which was a reserve unit out of Hamilton at that time. And then it was going to go next 22, then 21, and then hit 25. Well, you know, talk about having a great opportunity. So when a number of these reserve MPs went over to help the, the regular military police from 23, they ruined it if, if you can kind of, you know, for, for everyone else. And then I uh, know for the reserve MPs got to go over, um, you know, then, then the Gulf War, um, it was, um, you know, a very small contingent of Canadians went over there. I believe it was logistics and medicals, uh, people which, you know, performed, uh, you know, great, great deeds and, and, and were recognized. And they took very few regular force MPs and then, um, you know, Somalia happened, which which was a disaster for for the Canadians, and and we certainly don't need to go there. But reserve MPs didn't have the opportunity for for that. And then, of course, Bosnia, as we know, started, and then a number of reserve MPs um, uh, were selected to go over there. Went over there, did a great great job. I was advancing in my my law enforcement career. Yeah. You know, at, at that time, and so it was you know. And that's the hard part because you want to, you know, you can have the best of both worlds, but you can't have the best of both worlds. Yeah. And then um, after, um, uh, you know, uh, the Bosnian War, there wasn't um, uh, there wasn't uh, a whole lot for, you know, for Canada, you know, different UN missions, but certainly not the the big call up for reservists. And then it was, 
you know, after the horrific and terrible events of 9-11 and when we got into, you know, Afghanistan, um, you know, the call up, you know, came for, uh, you know, reservists. And, and again, they, they performed, you know, uh, amazingly and, and did great things and, and, you know, everything that they had learned and been taught, you know, they were able to apply and, and really did a fantastic job. Just a, just a great job. And um, again, I don't, I don't, want to say it's a, re a regret, but, you know, again, if things have been maybe different, uh, so be it. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I'm happy to say maybe I had in some small way, you know, with training troops and, you know, contributed uh, maybe in a, in, in a different, uh, in a different way. But so long story short, no, all military service has been in Canada here uh, doing different things. When you were um, a cop, in St. Thomas. Yeah. Excuse me. What types of crimes would you investigate? Did you have separate departments to deal with separate types of incidents or how did your police department work? Yeah, great. Um, well, St. Thomas was a small department at the time, about 50, 50, 60 officers when I was there. There was a crime unit and uh, everyone wanted to be a you know, detective. Um, for sure and that that was you know really really the the goal at least the goal for me um uh, you know i i think doing frontline operational policing i mean you're, you're you're going you're doing a lot of traffic enforcement a lot of impaired drivers a lot of maybe minor minor type of crimes like thefts breaking enters mischiefs um the bigger stuff at the time obviously you know armed robberies sexual assaults homicides that sort of stuff they're they're going through the crime unit major frauds and, and and things of that nature i mean it was the whole the whole gamut um it was only when we you know if you had someone was a digger you really wanted to prove yourself so maybe you got um uh, an arson let's say um and you can go to your sergeant at the time they knew you were going to investigator and say hey can i run with this for a little bit before we turn it over to the detectives you know i'll still answer my calls for service um type thing and uh but i want to do a little digging my, my myself on this and a lot of times they give you a green light if they knew you know on your yearly performance evaluation you know where would you like to go next well i'd love to be a detective type thing you know if they knew that they would they would allow you to to run run with it now a lot of officers uniform officers because they're busy uh, and, you know, the call volumes were high, you know, very quick to turn it over, you know, no further uh, action at this level needs to go to CIB and, and you know, for, for, for further follow up uh, type of thing. But it was always fun. It was always, I don't know, I was like digging, you know, like solving things was always great. You know, I always think back to, you know, some of the tricks you, you learn when you were in, interviewing people, you know, yeah. I, I don't care what you did. I just want to know why, you know, and you could get them to yeah. talk or, you know, and, and this different things like that. And I always thought it was, you know, there was, there's a lot of truth that the pen is mightier than the sword. Right. And when you get someone in an interview room, you know, you just felt, you know, you're on my, uh, my territory, my battlefield, right? Like I got the advantage here and the room set up how you want it. And you know what questions you're going to ask and, you know, and I just thought that, that's great, you know, just, just through words and talking and, um, you know, you could get confessions or, or the evidence you need. It was just, just a lot of fun. How does it work with regards to the legal representation? If somebody gets arrested 
for a homicide or, or do you have levels of legal representation or is it everybody's entitled to a lawyer everyone doesn't matter if it's a theft of a pack of bubble gums if they're they're arrested everyone is chartered and you know that's in the the canadian bill of rights and 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 that everyone gets a lawyer doesn't matter what for and uh, everyone's cautioned that uh, they don't have to you know they don't have to to talk and you know um, absolutely and you know rights are so so important and and, and i agree and um yeah you never want to get into a charter violation where you've denied someone the rights because uh, you know it's not going to be good for you it's not going to be good good for the organization and uh you know the courts the courts don't look at that uh favorably right like um rights are really important and, it, and it's really drilled into to, to all of our heads it's in the back of our notebooks and you know it's not like tv you know we we tell our officers or, or teacher officers you so open your notebook you don't need to memorize it just read it word for word verbatim in the back of your, of your notebook and you know look at the person to make sure they know and then you're asking do you understand do i need to repeat anything is there anything you know you're unsure of and you know it's almost like i want you to call a lawyer please we're going to give you every opportunity to to lawyer up and 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 we want to and if your lawyer gives you instructions not to talk then 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 follow what your lawyer says but you know i always find people want to you know they'll want to they like to talk or they make a spontaneous utterance or they they kind of open it up or you know i don't know how many times you know you've arrested someone for an offense and you have them in the back of a patrol car and you're going to the station for for booking and they've been you know given their rights and they've been given their cautions and then you know they just they they start <laughs> they start or they give you another another piece of evidence or or somewhere else to to go and you know i had very few well i shouldn't say that i mean the serious serious cases i had the the privilege of investigating you know some of those were hardened criminals and they knew the game and they weren't going to say anything um, but a lot of people this is their first interaction with law enforcement or you know their first dealings i mean you know they they because it's happening so fast and the world is has been turned upside down and you know how many times in the back of the patrol car what have i done i was so stupid you know i didn't mean to hurt them honest i didn't you know officer i didn't please i didn't mean to you know take that golf club and bash your brains in right i didn't mean to do that and you're like oh hang on a second here right um yeah i i just i just think it's it's so important you know the, the these are the rules you need to play by them i mean play by them and and if you don't you're you're going to get burned you're going to get caught and any young officer i've had the privilege of training or supervising or or working with you know the the rules are there let's just play by them don't get yourself in a jackpot or, or a charter violation for sure where you've deprived someone their their rights we we do here unless it's by um you have to have an authority from a superintendent to and there's got to be an urgent interview take place in order to recover a person or you know something similar and they can be denied their rights of legal representation as part of that but that's all that would be a one-off interview i've done one of those okay uh, some time ago now but obviously uh but yeah it's it's interesting how do you find that technology caught up with you towards the end of your service. I know what it, how it impacted on me, but how did it impact on the Canadian Police Service as technology evolved? 
I think it's huge. I think it's um, it's really benefited us, and I, I I think there's so much more we'll we'll continue to do. Like I'm really inter interested in where AI is going to come into to play with law enforcement. I, I I'm sure it has, but I know with the railway police, um, as an example. Um, you know, because there's lines all across Canada, right? And I think uh, one area where technology was really helpful would be the drones, right? Where you get the drones up and the drone can get to, if a train's been crashed or derailed or into um, a remote area, a drone can, you know, give you that live information uh, back. And, and we never would have had that, uh, you know, before as an example. I also think, you know, body cameras have, you know, our, our big plus have, have helped law enforcement. Um, I know from speaking with um, other senior leaders, you know, a lot of their complaints have really decreased the false allegations against police or, or, you know, the, the old hands on, they were, they were too rough. And as an example, so I think, you know, the body, the body cameras have been, been a, a huge plus, you know, as a form of technology, I think our databases, I mean, uh, where you know different services can can talk to other services, um, you know through uh, the, the the different computer platforms. I, I think is huge. I think you know when we introduce tasers and you know um, as an example, you know you know through Axon, uh, which is our supplier of, of tasers up here. Another another you know fantastic company i think at least my interactions with them has been been top drawer but this is how you know you're able to download the stuff from the taser if it's been deployed yep. um so I, I think technology it's really aided us it's used us um uh used it's been used like really positive i think and and i think um it's really aided law enforcement and i think you know there's a lot more that um you know these different ai platforms and will really, um, you know, carry us further into the 21st century. I mean, I, I, I take it back to, you know, I, like yourself, we started when it was the good old pen and, and notebook, and we still do use our notebooks, right? But our reports were all in, you know, in ink, unless you were in CIB, then it was the typewriter. Yep. Um, you know, but simply introducing, you know, the onboard terminals and, you know, this, this, being able to take a person's driver's license and, and you know, use it almost like a debit card, you know, where their uh, coordinates and who they are pops up on the on the screen. I mean, these are great advances where, you know, I think some of the old timers who, who you know, they'd probably be turning in the grave if they knew we were doing it this this way. Yeah. So, but we don't have that. You see, we don't have that. We don't have onboard ter terminals. I mean, most of the bigger department well, I shouldn't say it. all the departments have them, but their capabilities in all of them departments may be different. Like your bigger services, like the Ontario Provincial Police, you know, you're going to get, um, you know, the person's coordinates pop up when you swipe the card. And, you know, the different platforms will, can, um, you know, they'll marry up with the Ontario driver driver's licenses where you can go to a, a screen and you can get someone's driving history and their picture and all their addresses and, and things like that. Like it's for investigative purposes, it's 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 huge. It, it, it makes it a lot a lot easier um, than where we were. And I think there's I really think there's room for improvement. And as long as that makes the job easier, because everything you know as a, as a police leader, um, you know everything I want it to do or do, or I, I know a lot of my colleagues, I want to make the job better for for the men and women out there. How can we make it easier 
obviously, you know, say your safety is paramount, safety is huge, but how can we make your job easier? A lot of people, you know, they don't, um, uh, you know, they, 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 they don't shy away from the terminals, but they won't, as an example, maybe, you know, they won't do the reports in the car because, you know, ergonomics, it's uncomfortable, you're twisting, you can't really pay attention to your surroundings. But for the minor stuff, seeing who you are and, you know, the make and model of a vehicle and that initial information, I, I think it's great. So, I mean, I've been impressed with the, the technology changes with, with law enforcement and I've been really happy to um, uh, been part of it in the sense of seeing where we, what I started with as a young officer to, you know, where, where they've progressed to. Yeah, absolutely. You, you spoke earlier on about 9-11 and that fateful day. What impact did that have on Canadian policing, in particular policing the border areas where you had such a high percentage of traffic? Well, I was still with St. Thompson. I wasn't with the, the railway police. Um, I mean, the world changed that day, as we know. I can tell you, you know, it's one of those events, I, I think, back, uh, you know, my mom and dad, uh, uh, you know, they remember when President Kennedy was assassinated and they knew exactly where they were when they heard that, you know, that news after all these, you know, many years. And, you know, I can tell you, it's funny, the, the, not funny, that's maybe not the, the appropriate word, but it, how we recall things, as you know, right? Remember, like I know as a boy, uh, the day, you know, um, as, as horrific and terrible as it was, you know, when John Lennon was shot and killed, yeah. right? We were, we were at the shopping mall in London. We had dad in this part of the car and we we're right about to get out of the car and special news alert came on and that terrible news about uh, uh, John Lennon. John Lennon. I remember my mom crying, and you know it was just just horrific. Because um, uh, one of her favorite stories, she had seen the Beatles as a girl, so <laughs> we heard about a <laughs> we heard about a growing up. So you know the impact on her. It was an an an, an, an idol. It was someone you, you know from from her life that she could you know relate to and had you know a lot a lot of meaning. Fast forward to, you know, the horrific events of 9-11. Um, I was running, a, I'm not sure if you have it in, in England, I think you do, a program called Crime Stoppers. Yes. So I was the, I was the police coordinator for, for Crime Stoppers. Um, and I was going on air on radio at the local radio station to do my crimes of the week. And to... Never forget that. I was right about to go on air. And uh, again, the producer and the morning air personality who had the early show was going off because my tapes were, I was to go live at nine o'clock. So when the, the morning guy from six to nine finished, I had my window of like 30, 45 seconds. And then the nine o'clock to 12 o'clock host come on. So, and they, these were prominent local, uh, local um, radio personalities, right? So they're both in there and in studio, right about to do the handoff and the producer. Then of course the screen of TVs on back because they're tracking tracking the news. And uh, the 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 first plane, uh, you know, hit the tower, and we, we were horrified. It's on the news. CNN was was on, I believe, uh, and and we're we're horrified. And uh, the producer's going open like open mic. He's, he literally pulls his sign up and open mic on it right or open air pardon me which and you know not a good thing and so 
they both uh, jumped on the, the radio to say, you know, live reports are coming in, blah, blah, blah. And, and then, so I'm there with both radio hosts and the producer and, and we're in the studio and then other radio uh, people have gathered around and they're, they're watching the, the, the TV. And of course the, the, the second plane hits and they're like, Oh my, Oh my goodness. I, and obviously we didn't do my crimes of the week, you know, we're this horrified yeah. and, uh, what's going on and and as we know the world changed and then um you know i remember going getting back to the station and it's kind of one of those everyone's on standby all hands on deck i mean us in the military uh you know they're going to mobilize the reserves um you know what what's what's going to happen here i mean i think there was that bit of unknown which yeah. the whole world i mean you know, as you know, a lot of a uh, number of U.S. Uh, inbound flights were diverted to Canada. You know, air traffic shut down, comings and goings. And, um, yeah, it was it was something, uh, I mean, for, for the entire world, for, for all of us. And I think law enforcement really, you know, we, we didn't know what we knew. We had we got a job to do, keep the peace. You know, you, you have. What was the inspiration to move on to the railway police? Um, there's a couple different things. I, I think it would change. I think I hit a, a glass ceiling crossroads with my career. I think, you know, um, I did a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish with St. Thomas. I think the next step, um, there wasn't the opportunities as far as promotion um, to, to the level I was hoping to to get to. And I, I think... Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, having having lost my my wife and being a single parent with um, you know two small children, um, you know, I think the the shift work. I mean, you have to kind of be a magician and then you know still manage your military service and you know the, the my children, which you know obviously family before before everything. I think the railroad police at that time. Um, had some different opportunities that I think I was able to, you know, capitalize on that, that benefited, benefited me. And it was just, a, this a change. I mean, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it's a different type of policing, right? Like, I mean, the transportation industry, that's a specialized, you know, yeah. type of type of policing, you know, because it's all rail related and there's a lot, uh, there's a lot that goes on that people don't, don't realize that, um, you know, railway police are involved with uh, and and specialize in. And I think, you know, I got sick of going to certain calls. You know, you're always going to the same domestics, the same, the same drunks, the same, you know, and I thought, okay, well, this is, this is a little bit different. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it was just a good opportunity. And again, there's a connection with the railway with, with the McCallum family. I mean, a number of relatives work for the, the railway, uh, uh, over the years um so i thought yeah why not different opportunity and i didn't know you know to be perfectly clear i didn't know what the railway police did like i had to do some real search i mean i knew they existed i knew they've been around a, a long time and railways that always had railway detectives and railway police protecting you know uh, the railways and there were so many different railways over you know over the years at least in in north america and uh so it was really really cool and then 
you know, I realized, you know, how important, um, you know, trains, trains are moving goods from A to B, how important they were for the war service, uh, just, just different things like that. So it was like, yeah, it's kind of cool. So did a little research and yeah, it was this good opportunity, right time, right, right place. Did your conditions of service change? Because here, if, uh, you, if you go from a home office force like Essex, which is my home force, to the British Transport Police, your conditions of service change, your pension rights, etc. Yeah, that that did change. Yeah, so I was able to be in, uh, you know, senior officer. I was able to. So my years of uh, years of service in law enforcement couldn't be taken uh, away from me because they. So here with 20 years service, you get you get your police long service medal. Yep. And then at 30 years, you get a bar to to your medal and 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 so on. So um, the 17 plus years I I took from St. Thomas count it counts towards all that sort of sort of right. stuff. Uh, as well as, you know, what classification I come in and then uh, what courses I have all are accepted and, and counted and um but yeah brand new pension plan brand new you know um benefits and rate of pay for the for the different ranks and and things like that yeah and did you get to travel well, i mean you've got you've got fantastic railways and I, i've seen that beautiful railway where they they go through the mountains and it's got the glow did, yeah. did you did you get to travel i did yeah so you know, that's the, the joy of the railway police. Yeah, um, I did. So I was able, fortunate enough to, to hit a lot of places uh, in, in Canada with, with the railway police for different for different things. So very nice. I mean, Ontario is very big, even some very remote uh, locations um, that, you know, we would never ever go to. Like I would never, hey, let's get in the car and, and go there. But because of work, um, you know, crime or, or an incident, uh, absolutely. And what sorts of things would you deal with? So I always uh, link it to, there's not, um, there's a lot of property crimes with the railways, right? Break and enters, theft, um, arsons, because um, a lot of things go by, by commerce, right? And if those rail cars are in a yard, I mean, but everything with the railway, the whole nexus starts with trespassing. Why are you illegally on this property? If you have a valid reason, you know, you're a worker, contractor, fine. But if you're trespassing, everything starts from there because you're illegally on the property, right? You should not be on railway property and very dangerous. I mean, you know, I, I can't begin to tell you how many suicides and car crashes and, you know, strikes against, you know, individuals. Um, you know, investigated or managed over the years, it, it's, you know, it's not a pleasant, a pleasant number. As much as the railway does a phenomenal job to try to combat that and educate people and, and you know, the officers are out there, you know, working day and night to, to prevent this. I mean, it, it's one of those stats that it's there, unfortunate, no matter how much education and public awareness and enforcement, you know, we do. So there's a lot of property, property crimes, um, there's a lot of uh, trespassing, which leads to everything. Certain railroad areas are, are kind of seedy. They're in not necessarily the best parts of towns. So it could be, you know, you catch a person trespassing, they're wanted on a warrant. So, you know, you're going to arrest them on, a, on the strength of the warrant. 
or they could have already been charged and released on some sort of undertaking or conditions where they have a curfew or whatever. And yeah. again, they're trespassing and you stop and run their name and here they are in a, a reverse onus situation for, you know, breaking one of their, their, their conditions. So I like to say, you know, we didn't do a lot of domestic disturbances. <laughs> we didn't do a lot of homicides uh, because those type of crimes, you know, just aren't really relevant relevant to the real I'm not saying they can't happen, you know, husband, wife, team or oh. whatever, work out a big, a big area and something happens or, you know, uh, you know, homicide, but, you know, in our experience, my experience, they're very, you know, on, on the lower end of the scale of those type of crimes. So a lot of property crimes. And then of course you have a whole, after the events in nine 11, um, you know, yeah, a whole terrorism component uh, that you, you, you know, you're aware of your police with you work with uh, the other agencies. I mean, because God forbid you you don't, you know, anyone could be alone. You know, you get one of these lone wolf actors who, you know, put something on a moving train and it goes somewhere and, and, and something happens. And then you're rewriting the whole map. So, you know, yep. because rail yards are open. And, and so you're trying to prevent that. And then, of course, at borders, you know, you have a, uh, illegal people trying to en enter the country or exit the country. Well, why not run through a tunnel or over a rail bridge? And so there's a, a whole different style of policing that, you know, uh, compared to municipal policing, you, you, you just aren't doing. And the nice thing with the, the, the railway police, we always, you know, you fly under the radar. So, you know, you aren't in the news unless it's something very big. You know, it was part of the, 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 the blockades that happened and, oh. and, and things like that so you know i was in the news and 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 the railway was in the news because you know blockades were you know 35 35 days in 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 the one area um so the news was was quite involved there so you know but for the most part um you know railways like to fly under the news and they have their own public relations teams that you know uh, do all that do all that sort of promotion but law enforcement uh you know it's good being off the grid so to speak um yeah did you it was busy oh yeah busy. i was just cool. going to say one other thing i mean people don't realize i mean you know when when the auto theft rings you know stealing uh, uh car parts from from the cars moving from from a to b and you know or the the luxury cars that are shipped in containers to the ports and things like things like that i i, I mean they get hit or high value items like you know alcohol and and cigarette tobacco that's all moved by by uh by train these are lucrative items that you know the the bad guys and and, and criminal elements look for right and yeah um, yeah it, it's busy like there's a lot of you know when you patrol you patrol differently in a rail you know a rail yard than you know how maybe you would on a city street you know and and again the easiest thing, as I said, it all comes, the whole nexus, it comes down to why are you on our property? And if you don't have a reason, then there's going to be an interaction. And, and, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, maybe that trespasser taking a shortcut, but you know, if you're thorough and you do your job, you get that one or two times and it, it's into something really, really big. I mean, you know, I, I always think back to, you know, an officer just doing their job, you know, and then, two kids who were trying to stow away on, on a rail car going wherever it was going. And uh, they got in there and the, the door had um, moved, but it locks from the outside. You, you don't open that from, from the inside. And if this officer hadn't, you know, 
had their window down and was probably going one or two kilometers through the, the, the rail yard, hearing the banging and the help. I mean, that rail car, if I recall right, wasn't scheduled to move for a long time. So the, the consequences would have been, you know, devastating. Absolutely. And there's a lot of rail cars, cars in Canada, isn't there? I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a great way of getting around the country. How would you say, for instance, someone decided to take their own life? I'm just trying to put into perspective the size of the country. How far would you have to travel in order to go to deal with a jumper or someone like that? Well, we would go. We would go or, or we would have our local count, like the local police for that area, uh, manage it, work with us um, or, or, or do the scene if we couldn't if we couldn't get to it. But nine times out of ten, uh, we're putting boots on the ground. We're running a parallel parallel investigation for sure. Because yeah. it's so big. I, I, when I was talking um, last week to Monique, the, she was telling me that one city is eight hours away. Another city is three and a half hours away. So not even close. So if you get somebody and, and, and there's a rail line between the two, so you could end up, you know, four hours to the middle of that rail rail line from either <laughs> side. I mean, that's quite a that's quite a commitment. 100%. So we have detachments all over, but they're still uh, they're not in a big city and they're a remote detachment. Yeah, it could take a few hours or if that, that officer's away for whatever reason, the other officer covering for them, it could, it could take some time getting there. That's why, um, you know, looping back to what we when we were talking about networking, it's so important to have those relationships, right? Because as a smaller specialized police service, we're, we're, we're relying on our stakeholders and, and partners and, um, you know, and they do, a, do, they do a great job. And that's why, you know, one of the things, you know, we, we ask our officers to do or what, what, what I always, you know, love to do, you know, pick up the phone or put boots on the ground, have that cup of coffee, talk, know the people. Sounds like know your audience, right? Know your stakeholders because you're right. We may not be there and we may be, calling up police forces who now, you know, ha have to give up their resources to help us. And, and, and it makes it a lot easier when you're asking someone, you know, if you kind of have that relationship or friendship. And, and again, very few, I think I could count, you know, on one hand, how many times where there was ever pushback from a, a police agency not uh, wanting, wanting to help us. I mean, you know, the partnerships and relationships are, are, um, they were forged, you know, you're, you're embedded and, you know, that's why, um, you know, we used to call it doing the circuit, you know, you won't have coffee, stakeholder engagement. So if there's stuff from PR, you know, coffee mugs and things that, that you can give out just to say, you know, thank you. You know, you may never, we may never need to call upon you, but thank yeah. you. And, and this is who we are, what we do. And, um, you know, we appreciate your, your, your help. And uh, it, it's, it's paid dividends. At least, at least it did in my time, for sure. What year did you finish in the police service? Oh boy. So where are we now? 2024. So, uh, 2021, September, 2021. Okay. And you've kept yourself busy since then. Yes. least. I always laugh because, you know, we say like, <laughs> Law enforcement, you know, law enforcement's been a different, different type of war, if you want to call that, right? Yeah. And uh, the, the different ones around the, around the world. So, so it was nice that that short little break from from 
20 September 2021 to to 2022 January 2022 it all it all changed yeah and because we had COVID in 21 and I don't know how that impacted on you guys but we were still you know locking down and then unlocking and and what have you but you then got involved in the Canadian Ukraine Logistics Division yes that's my been my passion these last few years. So how does that work and what does it actually entail? Yeah. Um, where to begin? <laughs> um, well, you know, the horrific events that, that have been happening in, in the Ukraine since, you know, February 2022 when, when uh, Russia, you know, invaded, launched this devastating war. Um, um, it, it, it was born out of, out of that. And, um, you know, like, you, like yourself, one day, you know, I was sitting around in, in January before the war had started in, in, in February, you know, when I decided to, uh, my goodness, I need to do some, some cleaning, the, the storage area, you know, this, I'm going to do all the things maybe I off i'm gonna putter every day for a while till i till i find what i'm gonna do next and so i moved all this excess military kit and police kit and and over you know a, a, a 34 year career you amass a lot of stuff and and as i i think when we were we were getting to know each other talking uh i said every year you get boots and gloves and i had to go to the quartermaster and say i i don't need please stop i will never use this stuff i mean you know you're wasting money in it you know if you can put the money somewhere else in supplies or, or give it to to the people that need it I, I will never use this and it didn't go anywhere because hence uh, boots and gloves and and whatever and whatever else so uh, long, long story short, I was cleaning the storage unit and I, I made this big pile of, of excess kit. And, um, you know, my friends all had enough kit, so they didn't need it. I mean, my son and daughter, it's not their, their style. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to wear it. Um, you know, even taking the, the, the shoulder flashes off some and the rank off, off other stuff, um, you know, I didn't think you know, the Goodwill or some of those secondhand stores, it was really maybe appropriate. You no, know, so, 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 so the pile just sat there and I was contemplating really what to do. And then um, all of a sudden the, 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 the war starts, uh, Ukraine's invaded by, by Russia and, you know, you're, you're on edge. You can't believe this is, this has happening in the 21st century. And, and you're you know you're you're watching what's happening and um it's one day I'm, I'm out driving and the war as i said it's already started and i see this driving by the london ukrainian center i see this big sign accepting donations so on a whim i just i just stopped <laughs> and i thought okay well ukraine has some similar weather and it's very cold there i mean you know, and they have a fall, a spring, a summer, a winter, and, uh, you know, maybe they can use some toques and scarves and gloves and, and, and boots. And so I walked in there and uh, at the time, the, the president of the London Ukrainian Center came out and he 
Jesus. And they were busy. Like, I mean, there were people coming and going. Like, it was like a, it was a lot of people, a lot of volunteers helping out, a lot of stuff like that. It's almost like a war room, the best way I can describe it. Like, in their boardroom, they had computers up and piles of, you know, different donations and people bringing stuff in and cooking food and all this sort of stuff. And, and I said, I, I have some military things and some police things. I'd like to donate if, if I can, but I need to make sure that they're going to go to other law enforcement or, or, or military people over there. I don't want want them to get um, uh, out there in, in the system, so to speak. And so he says, oh, I, there's a guy who's uh, looking after that. Uh, he'll come speak to you. So this guy came out thinking that I wanted to join go over to the U, the Ukraine, because long story short, they had a lot of people trying to join. Oh, well, to, to go over there, but they weren't a recruiting system. You know, they're not vetting people. That's not really there. They're collecting donations to send the family and friends and, and to the population over there. So this fella come out and uh, he's a police officer too. And, you know, when you, you think you, I've seen you before, and you're, you're thinking the, the the same thing. So he, he he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and, uh, you know, coppers, no coppers. Yeah. He says, you're on the job? And I said, I'm retired. And I said, you're on the job, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, what, what's your name? And so he gives me his name, and he, he's one of the co-founders uh, of, of CULD, Ralph Schubert. And I said, okay. So he was a captain in the in the reserves and 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 he's with the the provincial police. So we kind of have that laugh and chuckle. And uh, his wife is uh, he's Polish and his his wife uh, is half Ukrainian. So you know he was there volunteering, uh, helping out. And so I said, look, and I have all this stuff. Uh, you know, contrary to you know the president at the time i didn't didn't know who who since become a very good friend uh i'm not i'm not trying to join anything i just have all this stuff and i want to want to get it over there and he says you know what he goes i got a bunch of boots and stuff too <laughs> right and i said yeah i said i can only imagine how many law enforcement and and police officers have stuff and i said it's like that old spearmint gum commercial where i told two friends who told two friends who told two friends yep so culd is kind of born right there him and i i have kit and i have this kit and i, I bet you i could get more kit and i bet you i could get more more kit so um him and i said you know let's do this and we put the call out and I think I shared with you, my garage became a surplus store overnight. <laughs> like law enforcement, uh, EMS, uh, they they just stepped up. And then I thought, well, I'm I'm retired. Uh, this is kind of going to be, you know, my passion on, 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 until this is until this is comes to a successful con conclusion. You know, when 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 Ukraine is victorious and, and, and that's, so we literally that day, you know, we put CLD in and kind of actually, we didn't have the name then, but we knew we were going to focus on how can we get all this excess kit and, and in all fairness, and we weren't the only ones because there are so many different groups and Ukrainian clubs around Canada doing the same thing. And so many people raising stuff, but they weren't 
necessarily they didn't have the military, the policing connection yeah. like we did. It's not to say other military and policing stuff wasn't coming in by like-minded individuals, because I know, you know, out, out Saskatchewan that has a huge, you know, Ukrainian community, um, you know, they were, their law enforcement was very heavily involved. Toronto too. It's just, you know, again, it goes back to that networking and who, you know, where I could pick up the phone and at this, at this mushroom from there. So we really, uh, put our heads together and, and, um, all the stuff was coming in and it was coming in fast and furious and, and okay, how do we get it there? And the London Ukrainian uh, center was raising money for, um, sea containers. And so what happens real quick with the sea container is, um, you have to have all your supplies that you're going to pack in the sea container and they give you, you give them a three day window. They drop the sea container off. Then you have 72 hours to fill the sea container. The company comes and moves it to the port and it gets boarded on a ship. And then it takes about 22 to 30 days to get from Canada, whether it goes to Germany or Poland, and then it's offloaded. Then you have to get it on a, a trucking company and then have the truck, uh, clear Polish customs to go into the Ukraine, which, you know, you could probably talk for hours on on that, but um, to to get it where it was going. Wow. So, and the in the London community and surrounding communities really stepped up. The the donations that that came in, um, non law enforcement, non military surplus were incredible. Like the medical aid and you know stuff for the animal shelter, stuff for the orphanage, um, you know sanitary products for you know, uh, toilet paper, toothpaste, all that sort of stuff for, for just the local community. It was huge, but we just obviously, you know, focused on our, our little, um, um, kind of network here. So it was like, okay, now there was a fella in, in Ukraine. I'll, I'll share his first name. It's, it's Oleg. I won't tell you no. much about him just for different reasons and operational security, but he's the salt of the earth. He, he has my utmost respect and he is our, uh, has been our, our friend and our go-to person and, you know, where we we're able to um, get our product, get the sea container. And he was able to disperse um, everything and if there's a medal or something that should be awarded to someone for uh, their efforts and humanitarian, uh, like he's at the top of the list. Right. So, you know, once we were given his name through the London Ukrainian Center, you know, we're like, okay. But then, you know, with the news and with different stories you hear, well, there's possible corruption and maybe things are skimmed off the top and things aren't getting to where they're, they're going. And, the, you know, could be on the black market, what what have you. So we were sitting around, uh, Raph and I, and, you know, how are we going to take this? Where are we going to take it? How do how can we get more donations? How do we keep awareness up? So we were just literally sitting around this kind of how you and I are, Paul. And, and we said, well, what about going to a war zone? What about going there and, and see for ourselves? And um, it was like, okay, I, I'm good with it if you're good with it. And so what about a team of four? And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do some analysis, some risk management. We'll, 
you know, see if it's even feasible, see if we can even get in the country, see if we can, you know, do what we need to, to do, see if they, you know, if Oleg wants us, what have you. Sure enough, it was check check mark in, in each box. So there were two other members of, of uh, COD, um, Peter and Steve, uh, again, both both police officers and, and both ex-military. So we brought them in to the team, Raph and I, and uh, the four of us decided to go uh, over to uh, Ukraine the, the first time, uh, about day 86 of the war. So um flew to poland and then from poland we were um, um car across to to ukraine which there's so many so many adventures and, and stories uh uh I, I i could you know we could probably talk all day uh share with you but um again you know when i'm a firm believer good attracts good and when you're with good people and you know your, your mission focus and yeah you, you know we have good operational tempo and, and you know what we were doing and you know it, it, it was reassuring yeah there's risk i mean because missiles were flying all the time and the week before we got there you know uh, we were we were making a stop in lviv the the the, the first time and you know they they had um, bombed the train station and one of the fuel depots and you know so so there's, you know, and one of the first things you do when you go over there is you download the app for missile alert for, for Ukraine and you put in what region you're in and it gives it, this goes off, it gives you a sound, you know, you know, missiles are coming type thing, get to the nearest, nearest shelter. So the first time, you know, that goes off at two or three in the morning, you're like, oh my goodness, you know, is this the 21st century? Is this, you know, uh, is this, you know, something from days gone by, but I mean, a jolt out of bed, that's for sure. You know, you know, you're not, you're not fooling around. So we get to where our, our stuff is and it worked out good that the sea container had arrived um, while we were there and we were able to dispatch all the stuff that, that was on that, that sea container, um, you know, to law enforcement, to different military units, to the orphanage, to the animal shelter. Um, that really sustained any question is there any validity to this are these people really genuine um and we were able to come back and, and do this report to uh you know the board of directors to the community to people that donated stuff hand and heart that your stuff got to where you want it to go to uh and there's no cost here like other organizations may take an administrative fee like we're not about that like we like there was no cost involved. Like all costs were absorbed by us, which which was which was fine. Um, yeah, we had different letters of uh, authenticity and authorization to be in the country and to get us from A to B. But really, that's the only administration outside administration uh, that that we we needed uh, or or asked for that we couldn't do ourselves. But you know, there were no administrative costs. Like this was as an example done by people donating their time and, and knowledge to you know you know make make this happen and when we came back and were able to do that or tell people what we had done i mean additional donations you know kind of came in and we were able to keep awareness uh in the spotlight because that's the big thing because you know with the terrible events that are that are happening and and um 
in Israel or what happened in Israel and, and what's happening in that part of the world, you know, sometimes awareness shifts, right? And to keep what's happening in, in, in Ukraine uh, alive and on the front pages, you know, uh, it's important to have these stories and to tell people these stories. And when you get something firsthand, um, you know, and, and again, there's nothing personal in it for, for Scott or Raph steve or peter it's all about service and, and giving back and, and being good humanitarians and good stewards of the world and wanting to wanting to do good and and believe you know if it, if the reverse was happening that you know the ukrainian people which you know i think are this you know beautiful and they're gonna fight for their life and they're gonna win this and you know the heart and soul the people i met I, they're spectacular you know they're fantastic like yeah. i don't have enough nice things to to say and 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 I'm not necessarily saying that because of you know the war this way I think they're this way regardless and you know the hospitality that we were showing and, and the kindness and and you know I don't have political stripes or any any game uh, with with politics but one of the things I think our government has done our current government um, has done a good job of uh, support. Um, for, for for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people, and I think you know once they knew we were Canadians and from uh, from Canada and what what we were here to do, it 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 just elevated it to that next level. And the support, as I said, it it has been good. It's in, uh, but it's it's continued to dip a little bit, and um, it it certainly it it did um, for a bit, but then it kind of came uh, a burst came alive when we. You know, when we went back for our second trip, and we, you know, we brought, we brought stuff over for the second time, and, you know, as I as I shared with you, of course, can't give dates, but you know, soon for the third trip, wanna on something specific for law enforcement, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 been a great adventure. Um, Do you ever feel at risk? Yeah. Do you ever feel at risk whilst you're out there? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, the second time we we went further east, closer closer to the war, we were in areas that the Russians had um, attacked and taken over, and and were there, um, and but had been pushed back and, and and fought back. Yeah, I mean, you know, the risk is it's always there, but you never know when a missile is going to be fired or or strike, right? I think I think that's the the big thing. Um, you know, and, and they fire them at random at will and they don't, you know, civilian targets, uh, you know, the Russians don't care. There's no, there's no respect. There's no, you know, I don't want to say, you know, honorable, they just don't care. Right. They, they're, um, they do what they want. And, and it's, it's, you know, certainly unethical when you're, you're hitting civilians and civilian targets and stuff that have, uh, no military bearing whatsoever. And I mean, that, that hit home, you know, we were in Bucha and uh, the atrocities that happened there, you know, between six and eight hundred uh, men, women and children with their their hands tied, tied up. You know, they're all executed for no reason at all. I mean, you know, mass genocide. I mean, it's a terrible war crime. I mean, you know, you, you think back to some of the horrific things we learned in, in history about Auschwitz and, 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 and the horrific violence yeah. and horror that the Nazis, you know, did to to you know the 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 jews and others you think oh my god this is the 21st century and 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 this is this is happening and i tell you it's a very eerie feeling it's a very um you know and, and policing you know we're, we're around death by choice yeah you know yeah. because it's our, our 
you know, we're there, we've investigated it and it's not easy is not what I'm saying. You know, it, it has an impact on you, but this, you can't describe the, uh, like it was like walking through the gates of hell. You, know, you see bullet holes um, up the church and then, you know, you go behind the church where the mass grave was and you're like, like, is this 2023? Like, am I standing here? Like, did this, did these atrocities happen? And it, it, it's mind blowing. Like your heart, it just breaks, you know, that, that, my goodness, like, and, and I'm telling you from, you know, um, there was absolutely no way in a million years you will, you will ever justify it, could justify it. Um, you know, there was no reason why it needed to happen. No military value, no military, nothing at all. And it was just, just horrific. And, uh, you know, we were a little further, you know, as I said, further east the, the second time. When you go to the tank graveyards where, you know, all the, the, the Russian tanks were blown out and, and you see all the different trench systems and that, and you're like, wow, like you think of, you know, some World War One movies, you you, you've seen and and you're like this is in hollywood like this is like this is a real meat grinder like this is this is the 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 real deal and i mean there's bullet holes and destruction destruction everywhere um it's like wow like this is this is this is real and these you know the ukrainian people i mean they're so so brave and uh i mean they're fighting for their life and I mean, they're doing a, a fantastic job, and and so now, as a as a humanitarian organize, organization, CULD, what can we do? What do you need that we can do our best to get to you? And if you need boots, we'll get you boots. We got five thousand pairs of Gore-Tex boots that went over there. You need tourniquets, we're gonna get you tourniquets. You need Israeli bandages, combat bandages, we will you know do our best to 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 get you that sort of stuff. You need burn kits. We'll go to St. John Ambulance, who, you know, stepped up a great organization, great partner uh, to have. They gave us burn kits. We will get this stuff, you know, as an, an example to to you. And, I, and, and, you know, when you come back and you, the second time, and you tell people what you have seen, you know, forget what the news or the, whatever spin they put on it, how they've reported it. And I'm not saying it's not accurate, but they've, you know, put it on how they put it on. But you're just talking to a regular old guy, <laughs> no one famous, no one special, who's, you know, been there, seen it with his eyes, put boots on the ground, and, uh, you know, spoke to people, uh, spoke to, you know, uh, foreign volunteers who have joined the International Legion who are there, Ukrainian military members, Ukrainian citizens, you know, um, when you witness it, you know, you know, firsthand, I think people are really, they're really taken in by that. They're really, oh my goodness, I, I I can step up. You know, like one of the big things we 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 did as CULD was when they blew up the when the Russians blew up the dam, right? And they flooded a lot of a lot of communities, a lot of small towns. You know, the water purification tablets and the life straws we we sent over there. This, you know, you and I take clean drinking water, for example. You go to the, go to the faucet, get some clean water. Yeah, not happening, not happening in these small communities. And so, you know, the gratitude, you know, for, for packets of, you know, water purification tablets, like, you know, save communities with, with that sort of stuff. So, you know, we're, it's, it's good. It's good to, you know, to, to, to do what we're doing. And, and um, you know, as I said, the, 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 the third time we go over in a few months, you know, there's, there's a real law enforcement uh, 
theme to this mission. Um, and, and one of the, uh, um, a lot of the female officers aren't in a position or don't have uh, body armor. Um, as we, as we know, I mean, females and males are different. I mean, that's simple biology. <laughs> we know, we know that. And, and, you know, and we know our, our, Sister officers are, are fitted for their, their protective vests and body armor. Uh, um, and it's very important. We would never send them out in the street or any officer without protective uh, stuff, uh, equipment, body armor. And um, so when we were over there the second time, we, we were at one of the police academies and we met the commandant of the police academy. Uh, I, I can't share her name, but oh, no. she's phenomenal. Um, this... You can tell the, the passion, you know, that we have for, you know, being former members of, of law enforcement, you know, was oozing out of her. Very proud, you know, loved the academy, loved the training, loved the officers that she was putting through. Um, you know, one of the big things, no body armor for, for, for my people, more importantly, for my, for my women officers, we just don't have it. And as you know, so when the Ukrainian military kicks the snot out of the Russians and, and pushes them back. And then they take those, those towns that uh, they're reoccupying, you know, law enforcement follows up to, to do policing for the population and everything. And, you know, um, we would never go out or I would certainly wouldn't go out without my protective gear on. I've never sent an officer out without their gear on. So we, we have um, stepped up and this is where Monique, our, our mutual friend who, again, it's the salt of the earth. If, if, you know, not that anyone's looking for recognition or anything like that, but if there was a way to recognize someone, it would certainly be her with her contacts and 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 um, especially the women in law enforcement uh, out in Saskatchewan. And you know, we have you know 150 female body armor uh, protective vests that we're um, bringing with us and and shipping over there for um, Ukrainian women in law enforcement. So, do you get any additional support from Air Canada or any, or do you have to pay the going rate? Do you get support from the shipping companies or anybody like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, certain companies have to make a money, have to make money. I mean, to, to to stay in business. So a couple things: some of the shipping companies have cut their cut their uh, their prices in half. Some have given it to us free, um, and then some have charged the the full amount. Um, here's the thing: so you know, like Lot Air, uh, Polish Airways, Lot. I mean, they can't say enough nice things about them. What a fantastic airline! Um, very generous with 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 with. Um, um, Sorry, lost my train of thought. With bringing supplies over there, sorry. Um, very, very, very generous. Um, the trucking company to get stuff from uh, out west to here, you know, free of charge. Very, very generous. Um, the container, you know, um, at cost, no profit made their way of, of giving, giving giving back the box, some box, box companies, the same. And, and then, you know, the Ukrainian um, post office, MIST, um, again, a very good organization, very, very good with their, 
you know, rates either by air or or by by sea. Again, and this is where the 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 the, the relationship building and and you know speaking to the right people for the right cause and and you know people if they can help out they will and yeah. and they want to help out and and when you say well as an example so do you have Costco in the in the oh yeah. Area? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I I wasn't I wasn't sure. So so when we were doing a wad the water water purification, or even the winter right now, and that's probably even better. So we would tell people we could put it out on the email or or the the the, the web page or whatever. Look, if you can afford to go to Costco and you know spend three or four hundred dollars on your items for the month, what's a twenty dollar box of hot warmers or you know for your feet or hand sure. you pick a box up and then drop it off at the at the ukrainian center and we'll make sure it 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 gets to where it was and it's the same thing we did the life straws where you know you just put it right in the water and it'll filter you know any dirty water look at you're already at costco you're spending all this money you know it's 20 dollars more for a pack of four and people were like are you telling me one pack will help and it's like absolutely every little bit helps yeah, every little bit helps, and that's what you know. We say socks, socks and toques right now are are are, are very important over there over the winter. So you know, if we can get uh, socks and hats, and they, you know, they come in, you know, we'll get them there. And our, you know, we we we've proven our uh, supply chain, we've proven the validity, we've never lost an item. Um, you know, you'll get a full report from us. Um, we'll follow up with pictures, um, people from the receiving end who you know. Uh, lady, you know, the, the first time she was animal lover, God bless her, and she bought all this uh, dog food, and she wanted to go to an animal shelter because, uh, you know, not only are there displaced persons, but oh. displaced animals, right? So the yeah. shelters have, have, have become packed with with animals. So she was like, I bought all this uh, dog kibble, and I want to make sure it's over there to an animal shelter. And we were able to come back and say, you know, the it went to the animal shelter. There's nothing skimmed off the top. We haven't lost anything. Yep. So you know, touch wood, and and you know, and and I, people like to hear that. And oh. and when you tell them we're not taking, we don't get paid for doing this, and you know, we do this out of love, and and because it's the right thing to do, and you know, and and we've grown the organization a little bit. Total grassroots. I mean. Um, you know, and as we said, we, we got people in Poland now, we have people in Ukraine, people across Canada. Um, amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And I, and, and, and I just got to be clear, this isn't the Scott show. I mean, as I said, my, my three other partners, Raph, well, four, uh, you know, Raph, Peter, Steve, and Vladimir, uh, you know, who, who, you know, has quarterbacked everything here from the Ukrainian side of the the house and Oxana for for that matter. If anyone deserved a uh, deserved a fee as as an executive assistant, I mean it would be be her. I mean there's just so many so many people to to, yeah. to thank and that have been involved and and who care and and um, you know and it's nice when people come together for a common you know a common cause and and yeah, well, I'm so happy to be part of it. Yeah, and and the fact for me is that. The geography between Canada and Ukraine, I mean, you, you couldn't really be any further away, could you? It's, it, because if you, if, you, if you turn right from, from London, you've got to go across Russia, China, Russia, and that's Ukraine, and Russia's vast. 
And if you turn left, you've got to go over the wreck because you're literally in the middle of Canada, aren't you? I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much. So then you've got to go across the Atlantic, and so it's quite it's quite a schlep. Yeah, we're about seven eight hour plane ride to Poland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and there's been talk. People said, well, maybe it will get you a, a vehicle. You know. Uh, you know, find the gear, drive the vehicle, vehicle across. I mean, for whatever reason, that, that hasn't materialized yet. It's easier for us to, you know, um, fly to Poland uh, and then and then make our way into to Ukraine how, you know, how we do, which has been successful uh, each and every time. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely amazing, mate. And, I, you know, if there's anything that we can do from here, if you can let us have your, your links, just... Yeah. Let's put it in because your donators, whether it's, you know, if it's cash or whatever it may be, and I'm not making any promises here, but we have some fantastic people listening. If they can support you, then there must be a way that they can get things to you or, or you know, and if we've got people in Canada listening that aren't aware of the great work that you do um, or even, you know, on the northern states of the USA, people that can get, if as long as they can get you the the socks or the hand warmers or whatever it may be, then it works. 100%. I, I mean, we're, we're taking, uh, I think, you know, we tell people to go to the London Ukrainian um, uh, Center website, um, where there's a, a post there for specific donations they're, uh, they're looking for for this, this container. Like, you know, we're not looking for washing machines or couches so so we're very as an example so we're very specific about um uh donations that that we receive because you know it's just not going to pack a, a sea container full of you know people's junk that 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 they think is good that's specific stuff um as as an example you know we will put a call out for for fire equipment i know the first time we we brought over uh 15 or 20 complete sets of uh, bunker gear, helmets, uh, the boots, the what the firefighters wear. And I remember going to to the local fire station and this same fire company uh, was the one that, that, that fought the fire at the fuel depot in, in the train station. And, uh, think of that toy you got as a kid at Christmas. And it was the most amazing toy, brought a tear to your eye. I mean, you know, we've all seen, I guess, grown adults cry for different reasons but to see you know 15 20 men with tears in their eyes when you're giving them uh, i'm not saying our equipment's better than theirs but in my humbled opinion it, it seemed to look like it was and again I, I don't know i'm not a firefighter but you know they put it on right away and it was it was kids and kids at christmas and it was the same with with um you know law enforcement um you know, because, uh, you know, before we could meet the leadership of, of, of particular law enforcement, you know, we had to be vetted, right, to make sure, you know, we weren't Russian, the enemy, we're going to, you know, assassinate someone, right? So I think come over and make sure, you know, we're, we're, the, we're the real deal, you know, who we are, four Canadian uh, police officers, here's our credentials and, and who we are, you know, we're not, we're on your side, we're on the good guys, but hey, you go through your validity checks, make sure who we you know who we are 100% before you know your command team is going to come over and uh you know the officers that came over again coppers no coppers and um you know I was looking at the 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 one officer and 
has his AK-47 and I'm looking at the, the sling that's holding the AK-47 and you would can appreciate this. It, it looked like something from, you know, 1952 vintage Korean War webbing, <laughs> but Soviet, Soviet style, you know, leaving a big red mark on his neck and cutting into his, his skin there. And so we had, um, um, had some, someone, um, donated some of the, the, the combat slings, you know, you just sling it and they kind of have the balance if, you know, you put your hands out to the side there. So uh, we gave this, this officer one of those slings. And again, the greatest thing in the world, he thought, oh my goodness, I, this is amazing. And then he said to us through the translator, please don't be mad or upset. You know, I'm going to, when I turn the AK back into the armor at the end, in the shift, I'm not putting the old sling back on because the new sling, if I leave it on for the next officer, whomever, it may disappear, right? Like as an example, you know, yeah, yeah. thing. And it's like, so these little things, so we tell people, you know, it's the little things, you know, again, socks, hats, first aid kit, whatever, like it will go to, uh, it'll go to, to, to good use and, and we'll make it, we'll make it happen. We'll make it get there. And, people are uh, like i said appreciative and again the kindness and and hospitality um you know that, that i received and the rest of the team received from from the ukrainian people it, it's it's second to none and i mean they're they're fighting for their life and um we have to do everything in our power to you know make them be victorious and, and successful we we really do and i'm not ukrainian no my my my, my girlfriend's ukrainian but as I always say, right, I'm not Ukrainian, but I, I, I love Ukraine. <laughs> you know, it's just it's yeah. just one of those things. It's just, you know, how can I do some good in the world and and, and, and keep doing it? And and with like minded individuals on the team. And, and it's nice when it all kind of comes together. Yeah, absolutely. But Alice, so you fly into Poland. Yeah. You pick up a vehicle. You cross the border yeah. into the Ukraine. Yeah. And you drive. Yeah. You're bonkers. You you, <laughs> you don't have a you don't have a Ukrainian guide with you. No, no. Uh, we we do. We you do. So so to get a, get across the border. So each time we've had a, a a team member on the Ukrainian side pick us up, get us across the border, and then from there we pick up a vehicle. We we have a vehicle over there, our CUD does CULD. Right. So once we get across the border, get to uh, where that vehicle is, then we we drive ourselves. Yeah, we 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 take off from we take off from there. So yeah. So uh, the the last the second trip, uh, three of us went. Uh, one of the team members had other other commitments he couldn't get out of us. So so the three of us, myself, Raf, and and Steve went uh, um, the second time and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you could have, you know, we, we probably should have put a cam up in the vehicle. I mean, I don't want to say it was three guys on a on a on a fishing trip or or a big adventure, but I mean, and all the laughs, the the stories, the the adventures, and you know, just yeah, it, it it's it's good. And 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 look at there's curfews, there's checkpoints, um, there's um you know delays um you know there's you know the good old map and compass 
sometimes. Um, if if uh, satellites are down, you can't get internet or, or, or Wi-Fi. Um, it, it was fun. And I mean, that's that's half the adventure right there, and especially with, you know, when you're with good people. And, you know, I didn't know, as I said, I didn't know these guys from, from Adam and, uh, you know, like-minded and great friendships have been been forged and um it, it's an adventure driving uh, driving in the ukraine and i mean but again at some of the checkpoints you know um you know they're they like to trade and uh you know get different things you tell me from canada and you show them the, the documents the the the, the letter uh, you know from the consulate uh the, the ukrainian consulate here in canada saying this is what we're doing and these are the you know the aid we're bringing and 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 who we're helping and uh, and they're like from Canada and some had actually been to Canada uh, or or have family um, uh, that emigrated to Canada a long time ago and then you know and then a couple times at a few of the checkpoints we knew uh, Canadians had been through there because you know um, we call them patches and they call them chevrons and uh, so we would see different. Uh, uh canadian patches or chevrons and it's like ah oh, someone from canada was through here it's like oh yeah you're you're from canada and then there's like or they'd be like do you have a a chevron and uh you know so you do a little horse trading and it's kind of neat and um yeah again very um i have nothing i've had nothing but good experiences and um again and we meant government uh you know officials to every morning uh one town where we were i was going to the same uh coffee shop uh you know just speaking to uh you know the locals in the coffee shop um you know and it just really nice really pleasant and very warming and you know so grateful that we're over here uh doing that and you know and a lot of times the the question was posed well why are you doing this like because i gotta believe if it was reversed you know you you would step up and 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 do the same right absolutely uh, and but i i don't think that anybody would allow canada to get into that predicament and i think that that's where our i don't want to say the word privilege but because it's highly unlikely that we will ever encounter those difficult situations we need to help people like ukraine absolutely. because because look for, for us from the uk if Putin gets through the Ukraine, he's only got three more countries and he's he's at the at the channel. He's he's yeah. getting ready to come to the UK. You know, we're we're looking at the nineteen forties again, where Adolf Hitler stands on the beach of Calais with a pair of yeah. binoculars looking at Dover. So it's yeah. only right that we and, and as a a Commonwealth, whether you believe in the Commonwealth or yeah. but but as a Commonwealth, that common banding of bringing everybody together that's what that's for me that's what the commonwealth's about i get it that the royal family are no longer relevant to canada and to australia and whatever but the commonwealth that's what it's about it's about banding the the people together to fight the tyrannies 100%. i agree i mean we're all we're all in together and i mean i i you know I'm very proud to to say you know I served uh, served the Queen and uh, you know very proud of uh, you know wearing her her you know her crown and our cap badges and her her 
image on our our medals. I, I, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're all in it together, and uh, um, you know, you're right. Uh, Who would have thought this was going to happen? None of us. But now that we know it has happened and is happening, I mean, you know, we we that that link certainly between all of us needs to needs to be, you know, formatted and totally solidified for sure. I mean, like they are, um, yeah, you know, when you speak to some of the soldiers, some of the military people we, we, we met, like, you know, they are, when they have had interactions with, with the Russians or, or, or captured them or what have you, like, you know, a lot of them don't know <laughs> what they're there for or what they're doing. And, and, and again, that's again, been open source by, you know, we, we've read the reports and everything, but when you speak to people that have had some interaction, it's like they, they, they don't. And I mean, like, I can only imagine, and, I, and I'm no expert or subject matter expert, but I mean, you know, like our training, you know, having heard what I've heard, I mean, that's so much more superior and, and, you know, compared to these, these young men. And, and, and I think maybe women in, in the Russian military that, that are, that are, you know, been, been sent like, it's a meat grinder up there. Like it's, you know, the best way I, I described it to someone, and I, I hate comparing it to, to movies or, or what have you, but, you know, the remake of all quiet on the Western front, the brand new one, the remake, uh, yeah you know, trench warfare or, or, you know, maybe saving private Ryan, you know, where, where it was so realistic, you know, like, you know, where people were actually crying in the movie theater, you know, that, that may experience that in their, their, their life. I mean, like it's, 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 an, it's incredible. Like it, it, it is, it is a real meat grinder over there. And, yeah, it is. Absolutely. And, you know, and as I said, having seen the trenches, um, you know, like it's just trench warfare, <laughs> you know, you know, it's, 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 it's something having seen the, 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 the destroyed tanks in the, the tank graveyard, right. You're like, wow, like this, this is real. This is very real. And, uh, you know, if people don't know what they're fighting for, right. And I think that's, that's the difference. The Ukrainians know what they're fighting for and they're in it to win and they're going to win. But when you're sending, you know, the Russians or these Russians who don't have a clue what they're fighting for. I mean, that's not a good thing, right? Like if they're not buying into the cause or believing into the cause, um, you know, and, and it's, and it shows, right. The amount of, you know, the amount of Russians that are surrendering. And, and that's the other thing, you know, they have billboards that we've seen, you know, if you want to surrender, if you're Russian, you want to surrender. This is the 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 number you you can call, and they tell you how how to give yourself up and 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 how to do it. Right? It's it's very real. It is very real. Well, it's absolutely fascinating, and thank you so much for your time today. Before we conclude this interview, I have to ask you: Is there anything you'd like to add, alter, or correct in relation? to the statement that you've made today? No, I, I, I'm good with it. I mean, again, I just want to be clear. It's not my show. There's a, there's a whole team. I mean, I couldn't have done it without, uh, you know, Raph and Steve and Vladimir, Peter and Oxana, everything she does, the support of our families. Like, you know, yeah. 
um, has all been been huge. I'm just the talking head for the team today. I mean, um, again, and, and and of course, Monique for connecting us and everything she's done. And, and certainly, you know, maybe after the the our third trip there, we'll we'll have some more stories and we can show you how uh, maybe you can. We can do it live when we're over there at one of the police you academies or something. Love that. If we could do a, a live broadcast, that would be absolutely amazing. I would absolutely love that. And you're absolutely right. The fact is that everybody knows it's a team effort. Everybody knows that. You you know, the fact that you're spelling out, you don't have to, because we know that it's it's not just one person. Amazing teams do these things. Exactly. And and I'm blessed. It's a good team. Yeah. Very good team. And you know, it's it's people such as yourself that are willing to to take the time to listen and promote it on on your podcast and and to keep that awareness alive. And, you know, as I said, I'm a firm believer in karma and good attracts good. And I think good good people attract good people that want to do the right thing. And I guess I, I... consider myself fortunate whether it's been around good people in my career and 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 certainly good people with with these volunteers that uh, top-notch people I work with I mean you know what it's like when you you spend uh, half your career on a car with your partner doing law enforcement you can only imagine spending a few weeks with <laughs> people in a truck so absolutely <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, mate. Have a great day. I hope it doesn't get too cold for you. I look forward to seeing you in the UK at some point. I hope that you get over here and we will, we will put your message out. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. Appreciate it. God bless you. All the best now. And above all, keep safe. Thank you. Thanks so, so much for listening to this episode of Paul Maleri's X Job Downloaded. Please like, follow, and share with all your friends. Your support is absolutely invaluable and makes a real difference to me as a podcaster. Thank you.